Hey, welcome back to the Mostly Good Podcast. My name is Nick Jones, and I will be your host. So in this week's episode, I invited my friend Voss on, and she shared a little bit about how she was raised on a monastery in Greece, which is pretty freaking cool because there's not a lot of people that I could say I know who have lived on a monastery. She also boasts a pretty freaking big uh, following on Instagram, which is currently at 266,000 followers. I, th- I think uh, later on in the podcast, I asked her about it, but the number was a little off, so I wanted to go ahead and clarify that now up front. So this episode is a little shorter than what you're used to, but hey, I don't think you're going to be complaining because that's having to listen to me a little less, but I think you're still going to love it in spite of the length of the episode. We pack a lot of really good stuff in here, talk about gender expression and what that means for her, and a little bit about the LGBT community as well as her platform, uh, what she also wants to do in the film industry, and various other topics that I think you will find interesting. So I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get at her, pitter-patter. So, okay, so let's start from the top. Okay. Um, so what's your name? How old are you? Um, my name is Vasiliki Halastaras. I go by Vos. I'm 23 years old, and right now I live in Savannah, Georgia. Okay, so you said right now because in like a week you're moving to Colorado? Yes, yes. I'm moving to Westminster. At least that's the plan. We're signing okay. the lease tomorrow, and I'm super, super stoked about that. So Colorado is amazing. Uh, my brother lives in Colorado. Um, I think we even talked about that a little bit on the shoot yeah, that yeah. we just did. But yeah, like Colorado, we're going in... August 4th that whole like sometime in there we're going to go to Utah and then finish up in Colorado Mm. I don't know I don't know how close we are I don't know we might bump bump past again okay so your your name obviously doesn't sound uh in quotes American right which (laughs) doesn't matter I don't care it's not like it's a big deal Mm -hmm. so where are you from I'm from Greece originally Mm -hmm. okay so how do you go from Greece to America and like what's kind of been like your your path I guess throughout like growing up where have you kind of lived sure so I was born in Houston Texas my grandparents came to the states um, for the American dream they found work they started their own business and it was pretty successful Um, so I was born here and I spent about two years here in the states with my mom and my dad Um, and they were super super young and eventually they got divorced about when I was two years old And my grandparents were like, you know what, we're going to take you out of this kind of toxic environment that was going on with them and all those legal troubles. And Mm. we're going to take you to Greece for a little while. Um, And they kind of put me in a really good position out there. I lived in the country um, and I I spent time going back and forth from Greece to America Mm -hmm. um, as a kid. But most of the time I was in Greece and I spent, I think, six or seven years being raised on a Greek Orthodox monastery in Gorinthos, Greece. And that's like one of those those beautiful monasteries that's like carved out of the side of a mountain, like oh way God. up high, and you just have this gorgeous view. And I feel like being raised in that kind of environment from the time I was like four years old to, to 10 or 11 really helped impact who I became in my future and mm-hmm. my kind of ideology of, of self-love and that whole deal that, that I'm broadcasting on Instagram every day. Right. It's probably because of, of the Greek Orthodox religion, which is so funny because as an LGBT member (laughs) deriving my confidence and my self-love from religion is such a strange way to to kind of see that. Um, But it was an incredible environment and I learned about self-sufficient living and it was just, it was a really incredible perspective of religion because in modern Greek Orthodox churches, it's about judgment Mm. and 
what you're doing wrong and what you need to be doing right. And at the monastery, it was about love and acceptance. And I don't know, it was, it was just very, very interesting to see the difference between culture at a monastery and culture in the real world, quote unquote. Yeah. And how that how that's different. So there's a lot to unpack there. Mm. That was a lot of re- no. That was a lot of I really good stuff. Awesome. No, no. I'm not saying you talk too much. It was perfect. I think there's just a lot to explore just sure. from what you just shared. So let's kind of take it step by step and kind of start. So you you mentioned your parents got divorced. Do you what do you remember through like all of that? Like do you remember like did it bother you? Like what was your headspace? So when I talked about toxicity, it was my dad was 19 and my mom was 18 when they got divorced. Which so very young, very very young, and my grandparents were really young at the time too. They were more of like a parental age than than okay. my actual parents were, um, and I just I, I don't remember a lot of it because I was really young. And a big part, a big problem that we had in my family was them not giving me the information I needed to grow properly from that divorce. So them taking me to Greece and isolating me from that drama was good, but it was also, you know, down the line when I was sixteen, I was like, where's my mom? Like yeah. what happened there? Like I, I like, it's like they kind of tried to erase that from my yeah. history and down the line it did affect me. And I ended up going to therapy for like four or five years. And really my therapist forced my grandmother to sit down and, and tell me what happened those like during that divorce and like who my parents really were and all that jazz. And I don't know, it, it definitely helps me grow into a much stronger person. Um, but it was it was it wasn't heavy at the time, but it became right. heavy later in my life. Okay, so did you learn anything? I guess through that conversation that was either shocking to you or something that like helped, like take you down a different path. And if not, that's totally cool yeah. too. If that's your answer, no, certainly, certainly. Um, I didn't know who my mother was because she was like a, an unmentionable. It was like Lord okay. Voldemort almost. <laughs> yeah. You know, like we could not mention her name in this household. Uh-huh. And the the therapy forcing my grandmother to talk about her opinion of my mother and like how all that history went down was was really helpful because I had this perception of a woman that I wanted in my life that I thought would be good for me, but there was a reason why they kept me sheltered from her for so long, and I didn't understand it. So when I was a preteen, I w- I was awful, you know, like I <laughs> I wish I awful. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> I was just I would just yell at my grandmother and I didn't understand anything. It was just this this awful energy uh-huh. um, and it was bickering and fighting and I didn't understand why I was angry and I just wanted, I wanted a, a real, I remember calling my grandmother, I was like, you're not my real mom. Oh. And I look back at that today and I just wish I could go back in time and just smack myself across right. the face for ever saying that to my yaya because she, she really is the mother in my yeah. life. And I don't know, it was nice understanding why they sheltered me from her because right. that, that energy that I had of wanting her and wanting to understand that it went away. You know, and and it was it was like, oh, I see why this is better for my life. And I could I could see how there would be that longing, right? Like that longing to want that relationship because that's what's portrayed everywhere around you, right? Mm -hmm. The parental home and like there's this thing that is what's natural in quotes, right? And so it would be normal to to want that. But it sounds like you one you worked it out, you figured it out, sure, and you seem to be doing great. So I mean, in spite of that, not to say that you didn't need her, but it it's good to hear that you had people who loved you, people who took time to invest in you, people who were like, no, we're going to help. We're going to like, we're going to give you what you, what you need and we're going to help you. So that's cool. 
But the other thing that you mentioned was like being in a monastery. Mm -hmm. So like not a lot of people have experienced being in a monastery. So that's pretty cool. Like what I conjure up is like Nacho Libre, you know, like that's in my mind because I don't know anything. Like I know it's silly. I know it's not what your experience sure. was, but in my mind, that's where my mind goes. So can you unpack what that actually entails? Uh, but before, can we go back to, to the family thing real quick? Absolutely. Just, just another thought. Yeah. Um, I feel like as a child, I really struggled with, uh, understanding that you don't just need a mother and father to be in a really healthy family. Yes. And I realized that I have, like when someone asks me nowadays, they say, hey, who are your parents? Like, can I see a photo of your dad? I'm like, which one? <laughs> because I feel like after therapy, I was able to understand that like, I've got four fathers. I've got three moms that took care of me. It's all these people. And like a family, like a standard doesn't really exist. Yes. And that's why therapy really, really helps me. Yeah, no, that's that. I'm glad you actually backtracked and said that. That's I think that's valuable, and somebody's gonna hear that and it's gonna like resonate. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, no problem. I would. I just I was gonna forget that. But about the monastery, that place is insane. Like the 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 energy is is incredible. I remember. So it's about a 45 minute drive from my home in Greece, and I just remember being so excited in the car to get there and like who what kid is excited about church when they're nine right. years old like who's excited to go live at a monastery at, at church for like three months yeah but you get there and this place is called Timio Stavro and it's been there for I don't even know like definitely over a hundred years okay. and it's an all-female monastery so there's nuns and uh, what they do during the summertime is they they offer a Greek Orthodox camp so they've got a huge I'm not sure how many acres on that mountain but they've got a huge plot two churches um, a space where the nuns live, they've got livestock, and then they have a space for where kids live. Okay. And so I started by going to this camp because my grandmother wanted me to understand more about Greek Orthodoxy. And they accept, I think, 50 to 60 kids every summer, and these nuns watch over them. And they teach them about church, about self-sufficient li like living, and um, you you... It's like an artist's community almost. Like you learn how to make iconography. They teach you how to make cheese. Okay, that's pretty amazing. It's really incredible. And it's all about just having a good time and yeah. understanding religion from a perspective that's not pressured and not judgmental. And it's just so much fun to gather together with all these kids you don't know mm -hmm. and just have a blast on this. Like it's like a safe haven. Did they give you all like chores or like, or there's like work related things or tasks? So you have responsibilities, but nothing that's required of you. You pick oh, up okay. after yourself. Right. Um, because a lot of the kids are young. I think they accept kids from the age of uh, like six or seven years old to 15. So it's a big chunk. And then when you're over the age of 15, you become a counselor and you help with the kids. So eventually I became a counselor at the monastery and, and was helping and, it's it's I feel like the only responsibilities the kid has is, is to have fun, you know, <laughs> and, be, and to like, participate yeah. in what they uh -huh. have to offer. And you mentioned, uh, you know, being a part of the LGBTQ. Right. So where at, I guess, in that process was discovering that or have you always mm. known or like <laughs> yeah, cause your face says there's a uh, lot there. So like, <laughs> how funny. did that go? So being so sheltered, literally living in the mountains with with nuns, I didn't even know that being gay was an option for me. I didn't know that, I wasn't thinking about romantic interests. I was surrounded by women um, pretty much all the time. I didn't have any siblings. I wasn't going to an American school. So I just wasn't exposed to any type of sexuality of any of any kind. And I went to high school in America. I came to live here for a little while. Um, essentially my grandparents realized that because they're Greek, they couldn't teach me the English that I needed to know. They couldn't help me with my uh. math homework. 
So I came to the States to live with my aunt and my uncle for a little while. And I went to high school, and this girl named Mary Catherine kissed me in the hallway, and my mind was blown. I was like, oh my world, God, huh? this can, this is allowed? I was like, oh my God, like I can, <laughs> I can do this? And it was literally in that second, I was like, this is like obvious for me. It just became clear that that, that was the path that I was going to take in my life. That, yeah. And it was upsetting. It was weird because I knew that that wasn't something that the people I loved at the monastery would be cool. Like my family, the people that I, I thought about would, would be okay with. And so I came back to the monastery a couple years later and I sat down with like the head nun and we're like besties, you know, we're drinking coffee. Which I freaking love that. <laughs> we, <laughs> love that. And we're sitting at the top of this beautiful mountain having like coffee together. And I'm like, hey, um, I'm, I'm gay. I'm gay. And she looks at me and she freezes for a second. She's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. She's like, okay, we, that's a sin in our culture. Like it is something that you're going to really need to think about. And I think you need to pray. Um, but we love you no matter what. And that was the end of that conversation. There was no, oh God, like how dare you or yeah. you need to like conversion. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, there was no exclusion. It was still her opinion. You know, she gave that to me, but it was so respectful and I was so scared. Yeah. And I just got that response and I was so happy that like, the, like that someone of such a high standard, like everyone looked up to this woman. She's like practically a saint, like in all seriousness. <laughs> And she was cool with me. She still loved me. And and then she was like, you shouldn't tell your grandma. And I was <laughs> like, uh, okay, okay. And here I am, I'm 23 years old, and I'm still like, hmm, I think it's it's about time to, <laughs> to, to tell, tell her. Grandma. Yeah, okay. that's coming up. Yeah. Have you thought about how you might want to do that? I know that's a it's a big moment, For I would sure. imagine. Well, I I look really gay. Like, I look really, really gay. So there's been instances in my Can life. Can you define that for anybody who can't see you i'm i'm just extremely masculine i i wear flannels at like think of a gay stereotype i am <laughs> yeah. a walking stereotype in every definition of it and the second i cut my hair short my grandparents were like hmm and then i hadn't had a boyfriend until i was 18 and they were like hmm and it's just like things started to add up for them and i've been asked a couple of times they're like are you gay and one time my grandfather asked me, he's like, are you gay? And I was like, no. He's like, good, because I would rather you murder someone than be gay. Oh, yikes. And that just hit so home for me. I was like, I, I blew it off to him, but in that moment, I there was an instated fear. Yeah. And ever since then, I'd be like, because I, I love my relationship with them, but it, I feel like I love a relationship with them that isn't real, if that makes sense, because I'm not being yeah. my authentic self. So. Yeah, because then, in, that, in essence, they're not... Well, yeah, they're not getting to see the real, in quote, the real you. And if they can't have that opportunity, I guess the relationship is then not based on reality. Mm -hmm. if that makes sense? Isn't yeah, that strange? Right. Okay. Which I, one, I'm in no place to judge you for not telling them. It's cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm not judging you at all because I could imagine that that would be a really hard conversation. Do you, so when was it you said mary Catherine elizabeth <laughs> yes okay so when she kissed you was there like this moment where you were like was there any pushback from yourself on that absolutely or was full not acceptance? it was just i because of the way i was raised at the monastery i feel like it was just i am who i am and i love myself okay and it's always been that way so when people are That's like awesome. yeah i get a lot of comments on my instagram they're like how did you get how did you learn to love yourself and i'm like I can't really help you. I think you should go isolate yourself in a monastery for seven years because that really worked for and me. And make some cheese. Mm -hmm, make some yeah, cheese. Yeah, no, I, I think it's really important that 
you hit on something that I feel like is probably really difficult for anybody who is in the LGBTQ, right? This moment of acceptance of yourself because people around you don't always accept you. And that's got to be really hard to know that people you look up to or that you care about might not think of you the same way. And I, I think it's it sucks. And I wish it didn't exist. Mm. I do. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I wish it. For it, sure. Me too. Just, yeah. Like that people just love you. Like I met you and I was like, she's pretty cool. Hey, like, thank you. This is a cool person. Like if I, I would love to have her on the podcast because I feel like what you would have to say would be valuable. And so me saying she and her, I know that I've looked at some Instagram comments, right? Mm-hmm. On, on some of your things. So is it okay with you if we kind of talk, dive into a little bit of that? Like with pronouns Identity. and things. Yeah, certainly. So yeah. what would you prefer? So, um, like I said before, with like the whole self-love thing, I've never overthought myself or my identity or my sexuality. I was always just me and I did what made me feel comfortable. Um, and I was born with a testosterone imbalance. Okay. So I am more masculine. And when I cut my hair off, um, it became, uh, it's so hard to describe people assumed I was a lesbian and I gained acceptance, if that makes sense. Okay. No, that makes sense. Um, to backtrack a little bit, when I was in elementary school, I was bullied heavily for my testosterone imbalance because I was hairy. My voice was super deep for like a little girl. Um, and it was just a, a lot of harsh, just bullying. And I get to high school and I cut my hair off and all of a sudden my testosterone Accepted. imbalance is sexy. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, she's a lesbian. But like before I identified as like gay or whatever they assumed I was because of the length of my hair. Um, it was like something that was shunned and it was just such a strange that is weird concept to see how people accept you differently based on the way you identify and i was always just like whatever like i am what i am but the second people can put a label on you they can kind of judge how they want to treat you yeah they can control you exactly in, in a way so like i had a friend of mine martin come on who has his phd and he studies gender studies and things like that and we had a conversation about pronouns and like gender expression and how gender and sex are, you know, different things. And I walked away. I, I agree with a lot of what he said, but I did walk away with a question, which was, okay, so I totally understand that not everybody is going to express themselves the way that um, their biological sex might be. And so we have these other groups or categories that, you know, somebody can identify with. But then I had the thought of, well, I feel like, all that does is create more boxes. And then when you're, when you have that, then you would probably feel pressured to look or behave the way that that box says Mm, that you can. Right. So then you're now you're boxed in. So then it's like, well, what happens if you want to stray from that box? Are you going to be ostracized from your own community? Do you feel like that happens at all? Absolutely. Now, so where I was kind of getting with all that is, uh, so I, I liked girls and I don't know if I like men. I might fall in love with a man at some point. So I don't necessarily identify as a lesbian, but up until this point in my life, I have been. Yeah. Um, but that was also a label that was kind of pushed on me because of who I was dating at the time. And I, I've never labeled myself, but it wasn't until other people were kind of almost forcing me to put a label on myself because of my appearance and the way I live my life. They're like, what are you? And I'm like, I'm whatever I want to be. Like, (laughs) what's what's it to you? Yeah. And eventually, after my Instagram following really grew, I understood that they were asking me what I was because they wanted to better understand me. And so I understood the purpose of labels at that point, like being able to tell someone what you are, quote unquote, and then them 
being able to relate to that or understand their own identity better. And so I was about 18 or 19. I was like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to Google gender queer. So I started doing research on all these labels and there's like 50, it's like an endless and everything is so specific. Uh So eventually after reading everything, I was like, okay, technically I identify as gender fluid. I don't have pronoun preferences, but because I'm biologically female, I go with she, her most of the time. Okay. But if someone calls me out and they're like he or he, him, I'm like, okay, cool. Because I don't necessarily not identify as a man. I just... It, it just it doesn't, doesn't matter. Yeah, you're expressing yourself and whatever comes out, comes mm-hmm. out. Absolutely. But like my girlfriend says she, her. My family says she, her. And so that's technically how I tend to introduce myself. But he, him is not incorrect. Okay. And I had people in my own community criticizing me for identifying as gender fluid because for a number of reasons. Like someone was yelling at me in my comments. They were like, you can't be gender fluid because you're a lesbian. And I'm like, I don't, hold up. I There's <laughs> Wait, just so what? many problems with, uh, it's just so many restrictions. And people in my own community were were pushing, not necessarily hate, but just this aggression towards yeah. correctly identifying myself. And I, I honestly think it's ridiculous. I think so many people in our community are so, oh man, it's like they got a stick in their ass. It's yeah. like, just relax. Like the point of being... I don't know. It's it's just so complicated, you know. I, I can only imagine. I, <laughs> yeah. So so there's again no judgment there. I I can't even begin to say that I would even understand. But I, yeah, I just I walked away with that question of I felt like that's just going to create more boxes mm-hmm. for people to feel like they have to like like you said like what happens if later down the road you're like that guy's kind of cute. Mm-hmm. Maybe there could be something there, but because you've been previously labeled as lesbian or whatever, mm-hmm. then you feel like maybe you can't go down that road. And I feel like that's maybe the danger of it. But also I do feel like, you know, I guess it is okay in a way, right? That there are these groups for people because everybody wants to feel like they have a group, that they belong somewhere, that they have community. So on one hand, I I do get that part, but I do wonder if all these labels are going to box people in, Mm -hmm. you know? I feel like it makes it a lot harder for people to just be, people be yourself you know yeah why does it matter yeah just have a good time love people be kind Mm -hmm. have a good time and a lot of people i feel need those boxes like there's some like gender queer individuals that have approached me that are so uncertain about themselves that just being like whatever isn't really an option for them in their brain like they need that box that boundary that makes them feel comfortable with who they are yeah and i think that that's something that people should try to break through you know, something that they shouldn't restrict themselves to certain things. But I mean, hey, if it makes you happy, then identify as non-binary, super queer, like all this. I don't <laughs> even you want to call it. You yeah, know, no. like, do you? But yeah. I could never like I just can't. I can't settle for something like that. So for those of you who don't know, you have a pretty big following on Instagram. So what do you, how many followers is it again? Um, I think I'm at three hundred and eighty thousand. Okay, so that's a lot of people. Yeah. And then there's TikTok, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. even more, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you obviously have like a following. And yeah. There's people who look to you and they're like, they're they're watching your content. So do you ever feel like, I guess, pressure or do you feel that weight of having that audience? Um, Not necessarily. Uh, sometimes I feel pressured when people deliberately pressure me. So I'll have people who reach out to me in my DMs, like, you should be using your platform for this. Okay. And I'm like, I can use my platform for whatever I want to use my platform. Like, it's not... Absolutely. After you reach a certain amount of followers, I feel like people expect you to be doing something 
quote unquote bigger with your platform. Like you should, and I understand where that's coming from, but I don't like that requirement of needing to. So for example, someone messaged me, they were like, you need to be using your platform to support black trans LGBT members. And I was like, okay, I've, I've done that a couple of times. I've posted some GoFundMes of like a black trans individuals who need mm-hmm. money to, for top surgery. But what they were insinuating is that I use my feed to constantly post content about like black trans people. And that's just not like I've been on Instagram just for the aesthetic. I was super into Tumblr and I kind of transferred over that aesthetic energy into, into my Instagram. I feel like that's part of the reason why it blew up. Right. And it's just interesting how people want you to change completely just because of your numbers. And yeah, everybody wants you to do what they want you to mm-hmm. do. And Absolutely. That, can, that would be very tiring, I would imagine. Like people constantly be like, no, this is who you do. Exactly. Well, the next person is going to ask me to do something else and that might not line up with that. Right. Yeah. And it's like always this pushback of people wanting you to be something else. But I think the theme so far has just been acceptance, right? Of yourself, Absolutely. loving yourself, being whatever version that is. And if you want to speak out on something, you mm-hmm. shouldn't feel pressure to, to do that. And like my Instagram is a... um it's always been a platform to advertise myself as an artist because as a filmmaker, I am my brand and I yes. can't just brand my one film and then expect that to take off and then brand the next film. It needs to be about me as a director and people want me to do other things with my life. And that's not what I'm doing. You know, yeah. like I, I, I'd like to be a filmmaker. I'd like to sign to a modeling agency one day. And the way to do that is to approach it in the way that I have been. At least I hope so. I think so. I think you've got a pretty good chance <laughs> of making it. it Thank it you. Makes, it makes sense to Fingers me. Fingers crossed. So you mentioned filmmaking, and you mentioned that you went to a really cool school here in Savannah. So yes. what's the name of that school? I went to Savannah College of Art and Design, okay. and I got my BFA in film and television, and it was an incredible program. I know SCAD has its flaws, <laughs> quite, <laughs> quite a few flaws, but the film program at SCAD is super, super solid. Um, I was offered, I was able to access all types of equipment. I had a great team. Like my peers were very, very inviting. Um, and I made some good films while I was here. So it was a good experience, a pricey experience, but <laughs> yeah. a good one. So what kind of films or like what kind of film work would you like to do moving forward? Because you're just speaking into existence here. We're, you know, It's a great question. I love every aspect of film. I could go into music video editing. Um, I could go into writing uh, and selling screenplays. I could direct I'm really happy with everything. Up until this point, I've been really fond of writing, directing, and editing my own content. Right. So it's usually like a short indie film, and I'll get a gaffer, a DP, and then it's just like a little crew, and we do it ourselves, all yeah. of it. And it's really fun to have that much control over a film. But at the same time, that's not really how the film industry works. Yeah. Like, you know, you've got, you know, you're normally with a team of like 30 people, and your role is very minimal. Yeah. Um, so I'm not necessarily expecting that kind of control in sure. my in my film career, but it would be really awesome who to knows? exactly who knows. It would be not awesome to at least have that on the side, like a small team that I could hit up. Like, hey, I've got an idea, let's go do it. But honestly, I just need a money making film job. So if I could edit for someone in Colorado and do their their advertisements or whatever they need, yeah, I would be happy. Perfect. All right, you heard that, y'all. So if you if you, you're in Colorado <laughs> and that's an option, or you know somebody, I'm certified. Yes, there you go, <laughs> certified. Um, so you mentioned Tumblr is kind of like what transitioned you into like the Instagram. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what was that? Specific? I know it, but I just, the laugh was funny cause I know where this is going. So where, what was that about? Yeah. Um, I blew up on Tumblr, I think I, 2014, 
um, a Tumblr page called Lesbians Who Look Like Justin Bieber. Tumblr.com. Decided to post a photo of me, and it it popped off. You know that that skyrocketed. I got I had like four hundred thousand Tumblr followers, and then eventually Tumblr fizzled out. I don't really yeah. know what happened there. They started putting advertisements on the feed, I think, and then people were just like, no. And then they like blocked the pornography, and I think a lot of people were there for that. So it just kind of for sure, you know. <laughs> And then I, I hit everyone up. I like posted something. I was like, I'm transferring over to Instagram. And then I had like 10,000 people transfer over. Okay. Um, so I lost a huge following, but it was still enough to get me started on Instagram. And then I, I don't I don't know how things went from there. It just happened. I was just posting yeah. my life and people started following it. It's very surprising. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, so not, again, not surprising to me because you're very interesting. Cool. You got a cool look. I mean, we just did a, a, a shoot. Uh, my wife and I did the photo video for you with Sheertex, which is like a tights company. And we were just going through all the, the footage, basically. And we we're like, oh, my God. This oh, is so, so excited. Good. When you see it, you're going to you're just mind blown. That's awesome. It's so good. It was so much fun. They're going to love it. I know they're going to love it. Um, so hopefully we get to do more of those those shoots. But um, is there any modeling agencies in particular that you really like or that you like if you were like, that's like the dream one to work mm. with? That's a really good question because I feel like every agency has their flaw. Yeah. Um, at this point, because I'm 5'7", I would really sign with anyone <laughs> just to get on my feet and start developing a portfolio that's more professional. Um, but I, I haven't really delved too deep. I've looked at the big ones, IMG, Next, all the ones that are out of New York and London. Um, but I've just been doing freelance. So if someone reaches out to me, like you and your wife, I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, let's, let's do it. And that I have a lot of power in that position for myself. I don't have to, like, I know a lot of modeling agencies, when you sign with them, you're restricted on what you can post on Instagram and how you represent their brand. And when I'm self-employed, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, which is Any job. really nice. If I could kind of do it for myself, I feel like I would enjoy that more than being signed to an agency. I mean, honestly, at this point, you might not even need an agency because you, I mean, you have the following, the fan base is there. Sure. The more these type campaigns that you do, the more your face is going to be out there and mm -hmm. people are going to be like, oh, that's that girl from Instagram. Sure. And now you're on like this major campaign, you know, around the world. So I think the more that happens, honestly, you might not even need Fingers one. Fingers so, crossed. Yeah. I haven't done too many campaigns. I've done a lot of um, brand ambassadorship, mm -hmm. um, but nothing that that would be kind of televised everywhere. So I, I'm... That's one reason why I would sign with an agency so that I can get into that position where right. eventually I could get out of that contract and people are emailing me directly for, for jobs. Oh, I just had a thought and it just left. It was, I watched it literally just leave my brain uh, and float off the ceiling. I think I saw it ceiling. too. Yeah, you you saw it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I felt it. It <laughs> leave my body. It was so bizarre. Oh, so here, here's what it was. Uh, so going back to childhood, one of the things that I love about having a podcast and one of like the goals I told you actually about it was like so many people talking about how they felt like they were just weird or like like we all have negative chatter mm -hmm. in our brains where we like beat ourselves up for sure all the time we're like nobody thinks that you weirdo or like whatever and <laughs> so in an effort to like help people feel like they have permission to be authentic and be themselves and celebrate their version of weird what, were there any weird things you did as a kid or weird thoughts that you had my God, I I was I was a weird kid. I didn't have any friends until college, really. Um, I I also had like pretty severe ADHD, so I was like okay. the spaz of my grade. So like I had a weird group of I had like two or three close friends that were also very weird. I don't think okay. I thought anything weird in specific. It was just very 
random okay and very like just too much like so if i had met random. myself yeah like if i had met myself when i was young i would i would want like to just just like you know like <laughs> mm, i can't i can't handle who i was i'm mm, i'm glad i've grown did you have like childhood fears uh, i had one childhood fear that comes to mind right now you know those like spiky balls that are super squishy yes. they're really popular in the 90s and they uh -huh. feel weird they do. my parents bought me one of those it was lime green i was like five or six years old and i was like whoa how cool and then i touched it and it, the feeling of that made me so uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. I became horrified of this object. Like it, it was in my nightmares. Like I can still right now thinking about it. Like my teeth are grinding. Like that weird <laughs> texture. I, I just can't so handle the texture. it. It literally frightens me. Okay. So I threw it under my bed and I never wanted to see it again. I didn't throw it away. I just put it under my bed. Uh-huh. And every night when I went to sleep, I would think about that object under my bed that I that I what absolutely. What would you do if before bed? So every night, like you just it progressively got closer out from under the bed on its own. What would you <laughs> like if like you just wake up and it's just like there? I don't even know. I would I would have been horrified. I probably would have called my parents and like, <laughs> please take care of this. Um, and I don't know why. Like I found a texture to be physically horrifying, yeah. but it was. <laughs> and I feel like eventually I grew up and we were like rearranging my room and I found it and I was much older. I was like ah whatever okay i'm over it now. yeah for yeah. sure but it's still very very strange i but for the most part i was i just played a lot of video games and i kept to okay. myself so like i was very kind of boring okay. on my own very very stale i slept early every night i still do i can sleep at 9 30 every night um that's pretty adult of you because yeah, I, I don't even do that i don't know if i'm 31 adult. So. it seems like everyone my age is staying up they're like hey you want to hang are. out it's 11 and i'm asleep uh -huh. So I've been trying to actually stay up later so that I can see my friends more often because no one hangs out during the day when you're 23, I guess. I don't know. That's And it's so bizarre because at least Savannah, it's so beautiful. There's so many cool places that you can go. Like you can go to a square, you can go to Forsyth, sit in the sun. like During the day. Yeah, during the day. It's I, it's something to try, people. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've tried it. It's called daytime. <laughs> Um, and you can try it out. No one likes daytime anymore. It's overrated, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so good. Um Okay, so I guess I, I think maybe I was just super weird as a kid. I probably just was actually just so much weirder I mean, than a lot of people. There has to be something weird that I did too. I, just, I really just can't pinpoint it right okay, now. Okay, no I'll worries, no worries. Not I'm not. Yeah, not trying to make you feel bad for not being a weirdo <laughs> like, like damn me. Damn it, wish but, I was weirder. <laughs> yeah, like Lauren and I were talking about that. Uh, I don't know where we were going, and I was like, you know, this is a question that I like ask you know every guest, and I was like, man, maybe I really just am that weird. Maybe we both were just that bizarre as kids. I think there's just something in the water. I don't know. But um, so before we wrap things up, though, are there any social media plugs or any accounts that you want to plug at all? No. Okay. okay. <laughs> no plugs. I'm good. Okay. I feel no like worries. it's it's out. They'll find me if they're interested. Okay. Heard. <laughs> 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 yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, of Thank course. You for, Thank you for, for having me. It's been I know fun. you're busy because you're, like I said, you're moving. So, well, cool. Well, hopefully we sync up at some point. I hope many more shoots for you. Yeah. If you're and, in Colorado, uh, that sounds like a really cool place to do a couple of shoots. I can drive to Utah sure. too, you know, like that's one of the main reasons I'm moving to Colorado is because Utah's right there. So, so we're going to do a photo shoot. There's these pink sand dunes. The sand is pink. So look it up. That's, that's maybe an idea for you. Yes. But, um, Cool. All right. Well, thank you for, yeah. for coming and I'll see you guys on the next episode.